So I appreciate you, for those of you who have never had those moments of silence, being present in that silence. Howard Thurman, um, wonderful African-American author uh, who's passed away years ago, used to talk about how he loved to center down, C-E-N-T-E-R, center down and watch his life pass before his eyes. In other words, to pay attention to his own living, to pay attention to his own days. And often when we make space, at least for me, for that silence, we see things that we often would not normally see. We pay attention to things we may not normally pay attention to, or we can look back and see what we've missed. Which leads me to talk about some of our own Quaker uh, peculiarities, which is not the theme of the sermon, but for me, a way to get into it. Because me being formed in the Quaker tradition, for those of you who don't know Quakers very well, Quakers have this thing that every day is no special than the other. So Christmas, Easter, Good Friday, uh, Quakers have never recognized what's called the liturgical calendar of the high holy days. Now, um, having said that, um, and I know the underlying feeling that each day is is, uh, no more special than the other, having said all that, uh, I kind of cheat just a little bit as a Quaker because I'm glad we have these moments. I'm glad we have these times of year that invite us into this space where we can remember or better yet be reminded of the meaning and of the narrative and story of Jesus. For when we can remember, when we're willing to enter into this space and time on our calendars, we step into this opportunity in which we do more than just check this date off the list. Rather, we discover this reality that becomes our reality. We do more than just believe about it, but we end up living it and living into it. So I really do like, like entering into these times of year when it's more than just another day that there is Good Friday and then there is Saturday and then there is sunrise and then there is Easter. Now believe me, I totally get it when it comes to feeling as if remembering what Easter is all about can feel burdensome, burdensome, sort of like, great, just one more thing I, I got to do along with what I got to make for dinner, buying candy for the Easter eggs, a starting time of all the services, a starting time of all the egg hunts. Uh, casseroles for about 90 people, and yes, that did happen, and we pulled it off, so. But we're easily distracted, literally pulled in all of these directions. So that's why these special days and special seasons don't necessarily offend my Quaker sensibilities or make me give up my Quaker card, because every now and then, I kind of liken it to a car, I need to realign my life with what is meaningful with what is important, with what is necessary for my spiritual journey so I can understand what it means for me. This Friday, we had a Good Friday service. Uh, The choir sang, and uh, we had it interspersed with um, readings and scripture. We had about uh, about 30, 35, 40 folks here. Good, small crowd. We had the lights down, and it was a different kind of service. You know, in the services that you may come, like this morning, as we as you came in and we greeted one another and you've talked and we shook hands, we welcomed. Then afterwards, I hope you'll mix and greet each other and welcome each other and introduce each other. On this service, we came in and we just sat. We had the lights dimmed and there was singing and there was readings. And then at the end of the service, we asked everyone to leave in silence. No talking with one another, just leave reflectively and in silence. And I sat here on that seat 
And I waited to be the very last person to leave. Now, I kind of cheated. I kept my eye open just a little bit to make sure that everybody had left because everyone left very quietly. But I sat here, and I have to tell you, it was a very odd and strange feeling to be the last person in here, to have had no conversation, no handshaking, no small talk after the service. I kind of felt lonely. I wanted to run out somewhere and find somebody and say, say, how you doing? How'd your week go? How'd you like the service? You know, um, I felt disconnected. But I stayed in that moment. I just stayed here for, you, for a few moments because I, I felt like this is probably what it was like for a lot of the disciples and the people of that day. Isolated, disconnected, all of a sudden feeling all by themselves. And alone. And Good Friday moves us beyond those well wishes and it, it kind of plunges us into this experience of darkness, despair, and disillusionment. Well, that's Friday. That's why that day was important for me. Now, the Easter story does the same. And even though we've heard it year after year, this time of year, this season, it serves to remind us that something maybe we have forgotten since the last year is important. And it is this that life is possible. And it is available to all of us, not just life in the form of standing upright and breathing, which is important, but life in the form of energy, life in the form of aliveness, life in the form of this forward look, this renewed courage, this renewed hope. I don't know how many other words I could put to describe life, but that's really what Easter is about. It is life. It is living. It is feeling alive and know that there is this aliveness in the world that cannot be defeated by death or despair or, if you want to say, negativity. It exists and it is here and it is present. And you and I are invited to be part of that. And you and I are invited to share that and to live that through our life as well. In his reflections on Easter and Resurrection... I mentioned him just a few moments ago. Uh, late Howard Thurman wrote this. He called it the glad surprise, which that was the first words I heard when I heard the sharing in open worship this morning, this glad surprise of things that you have not seen before that all of a sudden you begin to see because now you're more conscious of God. You have this glad surprise. He writes this. The manifestation of this quality in the world about us can best be witnessed in the coming of spring. It is ever a new thing. A glad surprise, the stirring of life at the end of winter. One day there seems to be no sign of life, and then almost overnight, swelling buds, delicate blooms, blades of grass, bugs, insects, an entire world of newness everywhere. It is the glad surprise at the end of winter. And often the same experience comes at the end of a long tunnel of tragedy and tribulation. It is as if a a person stumbling in the darkness, they've lost their way, they find that spot at which, their fall, at which their foot falls at the foot of a stairway that leads them from darkness into light. This is the glad surprise. This is what Easter means in the experience of humankind. This is the resurrection. It is the announcement that life cannot ultimately be conquered by death, that there is no road that is at least swallowed up in ultimate darkness, that there is strength added when the labors increase, that multiplied peace matches multiplied trials, that life is bottomed by the glad surprise. Now this text that Deanna read this morning, Jesus showing up in every, everyday life, that's, that's what I mentioned before, what we notice. It's how Jesus just 
is present in all the mundaneness and all the ordinariness of it in the daily events of life on the road to Emmaus as these fellows are walking along in their disillusionment at a meal Jesus stands among them as as they're sharing their experience Jesus stood among them in the midst of their doubts in the midst of their questions in the midst of their wonder and their joy and for the disciples this is their glad surprise and it is even our glad surprise because Jesus ends up being present even alive to us in our seasons of disillusionment, in our seasons of doubt, in our seasons of disappointment, even seasons of grief and then wonder and joy and happiness. Jesus is present within all of that and not just here, but everywhere out there and wherever we may find ourselves. And in a very matter-of-fact way, and I had to chuckle when I read this in the passage, I just love how Jesus says, and by the way, do you have anything to eat? It just strikes me as very like, I'm kind of hungry, you know? And I know he was trying to make a point, but when I read that passage, all I could think about was, come on guys, I've been laying around for three days and I haven't had a bite. I just would like, that looks pretty good that you're having right there. Could you mind if I could have a bit of that? Now, I'm probably reading way more into what that passage means. But when I read it, for me it was this. Don't over-spiritualize this whole experience of resurrection. It is real. It is reality. It is present in creation and in our lives, but in ways we might not expect, in ways that you and I can see it as a glad surprise. And it shows up in the most material of ways. And I love where Jesus says to his disciples, here, touch me. It's flesh and blood. A ghost doesn't have flesh and blood. A ghost doesn't have anything to eat. In other words, this is not some kind of ethereal, mystical theory. What Jesus is saying is this is creation being renewed. This is the material world being renewed. And catch this, what he's saying is if I am renewed as a material person, we all have the ability and potential to participate with God in this recreating and remaking of this material world in a brand new and heavenly way. We pray that, don't we? On earth as it is in heaven. That is what that means. That is resurrection. If for you and I, Easter is only about the forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life when we die, and that is important, but if that's all it is, and we've probably lowered our expectations, it is so much more than that for you and I. Easter means this, that available to us is this possibility of an energized life. That shows up as aliveness to life that, that we couldn't muster up on our own. An aliveness that bears such fruit as perseverance and hope and resilience and courage and joy and purpose and meaning. This aliveness that, that Paul wrote in the letter to the Ephesians, this power and energy that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and I. Meaning that we do not have to stay stuck in our deadness. We don't have to be stuck in our tombs that keep us sealed away from life. This same Paul's words, energy that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and I in the present. Very simply, to live an energized life. To live a life that is alive. To live before you die. And that is available to all of us right now in this moment, in this life as we live. Easter means that the risen Christ, this life-giving presence of Jesus, is present to us even in the most mundane and ordinary existence. I've said that before. Like all the stories we have of Jesus at meals, asking for something to eat. Jesus cannot be contained within a building or a cathedral. Jesus is with us in our very ordinary and daily existence. 
walking with us, being present to our doubts and questions, and making himself known when we most need it. I had real mixed emotions with the cathedral burning down this past week. I really did. And I hadn't planned on saying this, but I just want to put this out there. My mixed emotions were this. As iconic as it is, as historic as it is, and there were probably people who had weddings and funerals and everything there. If it were to burn all the way to the ground, you're still going to have the presence of Jesus in this world. It is not going to go away. And as I thought about it burning down, I thought also how much energy all came out to preserving a building and saving a building. But then what about everything around the building and even today as we see the violence in the world? What about that, to use that language, in the best sense of the word, that which needs saving, which needs to be made whole, which needs to be restored? You could eliminate all the buildings, the cathedrals, the meeting houses, and the churches in this world, and you still have the presence of Jesus with us in our very ordinary mundane events of life where Jesus needs to be. It's a beautiful building, but we're also beautiful people who walk in the way of Jesus. And as someone once wrote years ago, beauty will save the world. The beauty that is in our souls and in our hearts and in our lives and in the compassion and love that we bring to this world. And Easter means also that our worst days are never the end, and our best days are always ahead of us. Paul refers to the resurrection of Christ as the first fruits of the harvest, of what we would call this new creation, the making of all things new. Easter is this reminder that God is always making all things new. God is always making things right. God is always breathing new life into that which is dead. One theologian, N.T. Wright, puts it this way, quote, The message of Easter, then, is neither that God once did this spectacular miracle, but then decided not to do many others, nor that that there is this blissful life after death to look forward to. The message of Easter is that God's new world has been unveiled in Jesus Christ, and that now you're invited to belong to it. I've just given you the invitation. You've just heard it. It's all up to us now to decide whether we're going to RSVP. But we have been invited into God's new world that has been unveiled in Christ. And then he goes on to write, There are many parts of the world we can't do anything about except pray. But there is one part of the world, one part of physical reality that we can do something about, and that is the creature each of us calls myself. Each of us has a part and a role and a calling, if you will, in this world to help make things new wherever we may be. As fathers, as mothers, as men, as women, as grandparents, as teachers, as lawyers, as doctors, as pastors, as, as, as people who go about their business, how we show up and how we live and how we are present, we are literally making things new in the way that we live our lives in partnership with God. We're part of this new creation this what I call Eastering of our world when we practice peacemaking, when we offer forgiveness and reconciliation, when we simply offer an apology to someone, when we bring hope and light and joy to all we do, when we live with perseverance and and resilience, when we overcome addictions through God's grace and we live to help others overcome their addictions. I just had a friend come up to me today. Um, Steve Lander, you all know him. He attends here. 
And you know that he's an AA. He's very open about it, has shared his story. He came up to me today at the sunrise breakfast, and he said, I want to tell you, today is 30 years. It took me just a few moments to realize what he was saying. I said, 30 years. You've been sober, haven't you? He said, yeah, today is 30 years. I said, you're getting your pin, aren't you? He said, yep, I get it next Saturday. He said, my sponsor will be there. He's been sober for 34 years. I said, Steve, that is great. That is fantastic. That is the new creation. That is someone who has been made new, who wants to go out and renew the world, not only through his witness, but through his friendship and through his sponsorship. We're part of this new creation when we practice justice making and we work to make things right in our world. We're part of this new creation when we receive God's love, when we forgive ourselves so we don't pass on our hurts to others. And we are part of this new creation when we open our lives to be made whole so we in turn can bring wholeness to our world. One last story. And this, I think, wraps up resurrection and the glad surprise all in one. And most of you know who I'm going to share about because they've been going here now for about 15 years. We have a men's breakfast every Wednesday at 7 a.m. at Penny's Restaurant in Jamestown. And one of our dedicated, devoted attenders is Joe Huff. And Joe and Shelby have been going here now for about the past 15 years or so. And most of you know that Shelby, in the last two or three or four years, give or take, has been diagnosed with early onset of Alzheimer's. And it's getting worse. And Joe spends almost every day there in the apartment with her uh, together. She has her good days, and she has her not-so-good days. She has her days when she's very lucid and very clear. She has her days when she's very confused. She has her days when she feels very safe and secure. And she has her days when she feels very scared and threatened and gets angry at Joe. And Joe will come to prayer breakfast, and he'll ask for prayer. And all the time, Joe is always asking for patience. He's asking for strength, how to be present with her, how to be present in this. And this is a couple that you know lived life wide open. They lived it wide open. And now that life has basically been reduced to an apartment, in a very loving place, but an apartment where they look out after each other and Joe looks out after her. But, and this is... This is the new creation. This is the glad surprise. This is the resurrection at work. Joe just seemed different on Wednesday morning. And he talked about how things were going. And he talked about his life. And he talked about God's goodness and God's grace. And then he says this, and I just want you all to know, and I believe this, he said, I just want you all to know, I really believe that our best days are ahead of us. That my best days are. Are ahead of me, and our best days for Shelby and I are ahead of us. I had no words. But what do you say to that? To a person who has found himself at this place in life and has embraced it and accepted it, but he says in that moment, our best days are still ahead of us. Friends, that is the glad surprise. 
That is the new creation. That is the resurrection of God at work in this world, way beyond just someone being raised from a tomb. It is the energy and the aliveness that keeps flowing on through life after life after life after life and shows up even in the most ordinary events, most ordinary situations of a man caring for his wife who suffers from Alzheimer's. That's where it shows up. Where's it going to show up for you and I? Where are we going to be living this resurrection? Where are we going to be living this aliveness and this energy and this partnering with God in this world to make all things new? If anything, this past week has shown us it needs it on a macro scale, but maybe even on a micro scale, wherever you find yourself, you'll find it this week. And God invites us into it.